and she was going to be careful not to trip, and I said, I haven't thought of it till now, but now I was more careful, flip-flopping my way up here. So that <laughs> Thank you for having me. What a beautiful time of worship. I don't know about you, we could just kept on going. Um, it was such an, op- an amazing opportunity we have to sit at Jesus' feet. And um, we can sit at his feet in so, for so many reasons, and we should be there all of the time. It's such a privilege that we have access. So I'm glad to be here. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we do thank you for your word that's alive, that's sharper than a two-edged sword, that grabs hold deep into our hearts that points out the directions that you um, want to, places you want to speak to and the directions you want us to go. Um, We ask that as we look at Mary and Martha and Mary at Jesus' feet and this um, tragic circumstance that they dealt with and how you met them right where they're at and how you promised to do the same for us. And so we um, ask that you would speak, that you would teach, that you would be honored and glorified in this place. And we ask that you would move mightily in each of our hearts, that we wouldn't leave the same as when we came in, but that we would know you better and walk with you closer and love you more. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 11, that's where we're at a little bit tonight. Um, Last month, you um, talked about Jesus at, um, or Mary at Jesus' feet for instruction and you know, I'm sure you heard, and um, that every time that we talk about Mary, um, we talk about her being at Jesus' feet. And what an awesome example that is for us, that we can have that heart tending toward and running to um, falling down at Jesus' feet and spending time at, at his feet. And in John chapter 11, starting in verse 28, we have an account of Mary I'm at Jesus' feet again. The first one, um, I'm assuming, I wasn't here, but I'm assuming you were talking about Mary and Martha and how Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha was doing all that hard work in the kitchen. Um, And she got a little frustrated that she wasn't getting enough help. And the Lord said, Mary has chosen the better part. And there's nothing wrong with being in the kitchen. I would like to be there more often. There's a part of me that thinks I want to and the other part that never wants to go in there. See, if we can relate to that. I'd like to walk through Williams-Sonoma and think about what I would do with all of those things and then go home and make the fastest food that I could make so I could get out of the kitchen. (laughs) So I'm not, I never worry about saying I'm that Martha person because I don't want to do it. But there's good sides of both of those. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet and she learned about him. She knew who he was. So in John chapter 11, starting in verse 28, says this, and when she, um, and when she had said these things, Martha had already met with Jesus. Jesus had come to, um, back into town after Lazarus, um, had died. And it says, so the She spoke to him, and then it says in verse 28, When she had said these things, she went her way, and she secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come, and he is calling you. As soon as she heard this, she um, rose quickly, and she came to him. Um, Now Jesus had not yet come into town, in verse 30 it says, but was the place where he had met with Martha. 
Um, and then it says the Jews who were with her in the house and co- comforting her, when they saw that Mary got up, arose quickly and went out, followed her and said she must be going the tomb, to the tomb to weep. And when Mary came there to Jesus, she saw him and she fell down at his feet. And she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled. And he said to her, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And it says that Jesus wept. And so we're going to kind of touch through this, this time when Mary again falls at Jesus' feet. And um, it's a good reminder for us to know that um, as the daughters, I always say it, as the daughter of the King of Kings, we belong to him. He's our Abba Father. And we have access to the Holy of Holies, the, the, the most intimate place. And we should be training ourselves to fall at Jesus' feet in every circumstance of our lives. Um, we need to fall at his feet when we're in full repentance. We need to fall in his, at his feet in total humility. We need to fall at his feet in complete submission. And with our, when our hearts are filled with thanksgiving, we need to fall at his feet. And so there is this complete surrender that goes along with the picture of laying ourselves down at Jesus' feet. There's our will dies, there's dying to ourself, there's refusing to want what we want, but being willing to want what he has for us. And so um, we have all of those um, different directions that we have been given, that we can come to his feet for instruction. And tonight we're going to talk about coming to his feet for comfort, because he is our Lord and Savior. He has done, um, and he is everything that we need. So let's take a look for just a couple of minutes to, as a reminder, I'm sure it's not, not no brand new news, but let's talk about who he is and why we should be willing to lay our lives down at his feet. John 1, verse 1 through 4. So you don't have to, you don't have to back up, but we're going to be in John a lot in all over, in different places. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he um, was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and there was nothing that was made, um, nothing was made that he, you know, he didn't make, I'm saying it wrong, there was nothing without him was made. Um, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then in verse 10 it says, and he was in the world, but the world did not know him. It was made through him, but the, um, the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But then this amazing promise, he says, but to as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name. So he has come. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God. And he was, and the word was God. And the word became flesh. And just think about John pinning that out. He had walked with him. He had seen him do the miracles. He had seen him die. And he says, and um, the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And it says, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten son. John still could say, I remember what it looked like. I remember what he said. I remembered what he did. It says, he gave us the privilege 
to become the children of God and, and, and belong to him. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might have the very best gift, that we might have the righteousness of God in him. He sent his son to become sin so that we might become righteousness. And that gives us that motivation for falling at Jesus' feet in, for, um, in every way, in instruction and for comfort and for worship. Um, all the way through the Gospel of John, Jesus said in his very own words who he is. He said he's the bread of life. He says he's the light of the world. He's the door of the sheepfold. He's the good shepherd. He says he's the resurrection and the life. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he said he's the true vine. And then in John chapter 8, he said, um, before Abraham was, I am. Do you remember when Moses was being sent to, um, to Pharaoh and telling him that God said, let my people go? And he said, who am I going to say? That sent me, and, and God told him, tell them, I am that I am sent you. He said, tell them that's who I am. Well, this is the, that's the I am that Jesus is using all the way through the Gospel of John. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Um, he, he is the becoming one. He becomes whatever his kids need. He meets us right where we're at. Um, he tells us all the way through the Bible. He says, I am all that my people need. I am their salvation. I am their righteousness. I am their strength. I am their wisdom. I am their peace. I am their life. And just in case that doesn't cover it all, because I'm sure it doesn't, I am their all in all. He said, I become what you need for the moment. And when we come seeking Jesus um, for comfort, he becomes that comfort. He meets us right in that spot. Um, if you belong to Jesus Christ tonight, if you have asked him to be your Lord and Savior, if you have surrendered your life to him, then he is your comfort and peace. He is your sure foundation. He is your strength. And we can come to him in full surrender, in complete repentance, in com complete submission. And he will meet us there and give us what we need um, with hearts, fill, filling our hearts with thanksgiving. If you're not his tonight, then tonight's the night to become his. And there'll be somebody who's glad to tell you about that. But if you belong to him, then he is the one who is your comfort and your strength. Psalm 34, verses 18 and 19 says this. It's an amazing promise. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves such as is of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I bet that's not your memory verse. Many are the affliction of the righteous. But the second part says, But the Lord delivers us out of all of them. It doesn't say that they're not 
the affliction doesn't come to our life. It doesn't say trials don't come to our life. In fact, there's plenty of promises in the word that says hardships happen um, to, the, to the righteous, to the daughters of the king of kings. Hard things come to our lives. But he will be with us in every part, and he will heal the brokenhearted. Um, so we are looking for his healing touch. I know each of you has a story and each of you has a place tonight that you need the Lord to do that work in your life to comfort and heal and strength. He's your strong arm. He's your peace. And he's your comfort. I looked up the definition of the word comfort and um, it says to make strong. How often do we need to be made strong? It says to invigorate. It says to fortify. That sounds like a strong tower to me. It says to assist, to help, to aid. It says to impart strength and hope. Aren't there a thousand times a week or a day that we want strength and hope? Sometimes there's just hopeless circumstances in our lives. And where do we go to find hope? We go to Jesus and we fall at his feet. It says to encourage. It says to relieve. Sometimes you just need that weight off. We try to say that we're going to be the one to carry all the weight. We can do it. We're tough. We're women. We're strong. We don't need to. We can lay it at his feet, and he'll do that comforting work in us. It says to cheer. So sometimes we just need to be cheered up. And the first place we go is to Jesus' feet. Um, Jesus said he's the bread of life and the light of the world and the door of the sheepfold and he's the good shepherd and he's the resurrection of life. And I want to say that over and over again. I hope you have all of those memorized from John and he's the way and the truth and the life. He's the true vine and he is that great. I am the becoming one, but it's not enough for us to just know it in our head. We have to live it in our lives. And we can sometimes get so much information in our head. You know, I'm, I, I was wondering if all those numbers you get to figure out that I just turned 60 this year. She got saved in this year, and she's been married this long, and I turned 60, and I'm proud of it. My mom, who adopted me because my mom died early, she just turned 92, and she said, Praise the Lord. The Lord gave me another year. And I'm proud of it, you know, and I know there's some area in between the time when you're 16 or 13 and you want to brag. And then once we go like, I'm 92. So I'm just going with it. And I turned 60 <laughs> and um, somebody else also turned 60 back there. We got a party. <laughs> so um, we need to know that we are never, ever alone that we are never left, we're never left by ourselves, that we go through hard circumstances and we have broken hearts and we have grieving situations where we're grieving. Um, and it's as, um, not enough for us to just say, I know that that's what Jesus says about himself, but I don't think it applies to me. It applies to the lady sitting next to me or the one who looks more spiritual than me or the one who seems to be doing better than me. But these promises of who Jesus is and why he came um, are promises to you and to me um, that he will do and promises to do exactly what he says in our life. So it's not good enough for just us to say, yes, that's what the Lord says. 
but I don't know if it applies to me or not. So mental assent is not enough. We have to truly understand and believe and take into our lives the truth that he's promised us. Martha and Mary loved Jesus, and we're told that he loved them. And um, they believed in him, and they knew that if he would have been there, that's exactly what Mary said, that they wouldn't have died and Lazarus wouldn't have died. They knew that would have happened. Um, but they weren't thinking, okay, so now that he's here and he's been dead some days, this is going to be good. Even when Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He's like, yeah, when, you know, when the day comes, no, you're going to see what I have to show you. Jack told me, he said, nobody ever died in Jesus' presence. I didn't know that. But they knew that if she would, if he, if they had, he had been there, that their brother would be alive. But he wasn't there. And not only that, they had sent a messenger, and Jesus hadn't come. And in fact, he says that he, we know that he stayed away two days longer, and he knew that Lazarus was going to die. Um, but he also knew that it was only temporary. <laughs> Jack sometimes says the only person who was unhappy in the whole story was Lazarus because he had to come back <laughs> and then he had to die again. <laughs> so they understood that it would have been different if Jesus was there. And we think that too, if Jesus only met us in this particular situ- situation in the way that we want it to be answered, then that would be good. But he had a bigger plan for them. He had something more important. Um, They were wondering why he hadn't come early. Um, I'm sure they were wondering why he took so long. But they knew him. They knew of him. They loved him. He loved them. But they were going to know him better after this this, um, encounter with him. Warren Wearsby's comments on this story, he says this, God's love for his own is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. We would think, why did they have to go through the pain? Why did they have to see their brother die? Why did they have to suffer like they suffered? But Jesus said, he's going to die, but it's going to be, his, I think it says, his, it's not unto death, <laughs> only for a few days, but it's for my glory that I might be glorified. So he says, um, God's love is not a pampering love. We kind of want Everything is good. All things work good. I want everything happy. I don't want any trials. Well, that's not what the Bible says. (laughs) It says that his love is perfecting. He says the fact that he loves us and that we love him is no guarantee that we will be sheltered from the problems and pains of life. Pretty much you all can tell me amen to that. Anybody never had a problem or a pain? Anybody not no issue, have no issues? That's not even right English. My English teacher get me from the front row. What? No ink. <laughs> so um, we're going to have pain. We're going to have suffering. It says. Then he says this. After all, the father loved the son, and yet the father permitted the son to drink the cup of sorrow and experience the shame of the cross. So we must never think that love. And suffering are incompatible. Certainly they unite in Christ. So when we think, if God is mad at me, he must be because something went wrong. It's not true. Those are the enemy's words. He promises in the world, 
not our favorite promise either. In the world you shall have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. He says, I've overcome the world. And so um, sometimes God's perfect plan takes us through deep, deep valleys. It's his perfect plan that takes us through deep, deep valleys. Um, Psalm 23, verse 4 says, though, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, that's King David writing that. And if you think he didn't have trials, you've got to go back and read the story again. Some that God allowed, um, well, all of them God allowed. Some um, were just the circumstances that God set. Some were because he failed and sinned, and God brought him back to repentance. But um, in those low-lying, dark valleys... It's, those are the pl- things that God uses us to take us to higher ground. Mary and Martha had known Jesus. They had loved Jesus. They were loved by him. But they were going to know him better. They were going to know his power better and when they um, walk through this valley. So with um, those valleys take us to high places, and they cause us to draw near. The, I didn't know the new song, but it was awesome because it causes us to press into Jesus and to draw closer to him and, and to get to know him better. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience But let patience have its perfect work in you, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James just told it like it was. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In the Amplified Bible, it says this, consider it wholly joyful. When you, uh, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped um, in or encounter a trial, of any sort, in in any various kind of temptation. Um, Have you considered it wholly joyful lately when there's trials in your life? We had a whole bunch of little trials happen. None of them were, we've had big ones too, but today it was just a whole bunch of little ones. And so when Cindy came to pick me up, Jack came out the door and he started making like a long list of broken things. You know, the irritating broken things, except for the air conditioner. Um, I'm sleeping in the pool tonight. <laughs> you know, those little things, there are various trials that just kind of get you. And then there's the really big things. You know, there are the issues that just cut to the heart. In all of them, he says, we can count it all joy or be wholly joyful. Because we can be sometimes enveloped in trials. But the whole purpose of those circumstances is that to take us to Jesus' feet to find comfort in him and to find um, his direction and his guidance for us. Um, the walk through the valley can cause us to, causes us to press into the arms of Jesus. Um, when things are smooth, we can fool ourselves into thinking that we can handle it on our own. We can't, by the way, don't even try it. But we can think, but when the road becomes rocky and the way um, dark and the path unclear, 
then those sheep from Psalm 23 are going to press into the shepherd and keep their eyes right on him and watch what he's saying and listen to what he's speaking and follow his every step. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be that close to him so that we know exactly where he's going. I'm certain that most of you are familiar with a great promise in Romans 8.28. It says, um, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I always say, that's easy for me to say to you. And that's easy for you to say to me. But it's not easy for either one of us to walk in when hard things come into our lives. Um, On February 4th, Jack had a stroke. I'll save you a long story. He's doing really well. But um, on the way to the hospital in the front of the ambulance, I remembered all things were together for good. But I wanted it to be somebody else's life. I wanted to not, I didn't want to go through that. So we have that promise of all things working together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And yet, what we forget um, during the hard times is that there's even better promises that come right after that. Um, Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for good. But then it says in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among, among the brethren. And moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then he says, what shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? What things, what people, what circumstances can be against us if God is for us? And then in verse 37, it says, and yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Um, We can be wholly joyful in the circumstances. He, he, um, He says, I am persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not death. That's the worst possible scenario to the believer. And that just means we're with Jesus instantly, not death, not life, not angels or principalities or powers or things present, not anything today, or things to come, not any created things. Um, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that tonight? Because nothing can separate you, not the heartache, not the hurt, not the pain, not the suffering. He's always with us. He promises that, that even though, like King David said, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. He he will never leave us. He will never leave us lacking in anything. Sooner or later, everybody's going to walk through some dark valley. Every believer will. And um, that's where we find out that in those times, we can find comfort in the midst of the dark valley. It's like that eye, that eye of the storm, you know, when it's super quiet in the middle of the hurricane. I don't ever want to be there. <laughs> but I heard that happens. There's that place where it's super quiet 
in the middle of a hurricane. Well, when we're in the middle of hurricanes of life, we have a super quiet spot that we can always go to at Jesus' feet. It's a a promise that he's given us. Um, King David was able to declare, I will not fear, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because you're with me. And David had seen the Lord protect him when he was on the run from Saul. And he had walked through deep valleys of rejection and fear and um, knowing the Lord had called him and anointed him to be king. And then he was living in a cave. That really didn't feel too king-like. <laughs> yeah, God said I'm king, but I'm going to have to run from, from my life for many, many years. And David knew that. He, um, he had seen great power and he had experienced great failure. Um, and he, the Lord was there to bring him to a place of repentance. He had family struggles. He had heartache. He had tragedy. He had death. And yet the Lord declared him to be a man after his own heart because he fell at Jesus' feet in all of those circumstances. And he saw God's faithfulness. And that gave him confidence for the future. We need to remember, you know, build that stone of remembrance when the the Lord is faithful in the circumstances that we go through because the next time we can draw on that strength like David did. Mary had sat at Jesus' feet to learn about him. She had heard his words. She heard his teachings. She knew who he was, and she was beginning to understand why he came. Maybe one of the very few that, that were. And so in the loss of her brother, she would see his power and she would see, find his comfort there. She would find the comfort. So Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you, yes. I will help you, yes. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Whatever circumstance tonight that you don't know what to do with, you can listen to the Lord saying to you, fear not, I'm with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you. That kind of sounds like that comfort word. Um, The Lord is whispering that promise to each one of you tonight in whatever place you are. And there's probably 150 ladies in here, and you, there's, everybody has a different story. And you can say that he's saying to you, fear not, I'm with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Um, he has a perfect plan, and he is sovereign. And nothing happens in your life that he doesn't allow for a purpose far better than we can imagine. Because Mary and Martha didn't get it. Why didn't you come? In fact, we know that you could have just spoken a word from two cities away or how far. You could have just said it and he would have. But he had a reason why he allowed this to happen. And it was so much better than they could ever imagined. Psalm 23 verse 4 ends by saying, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod for the shepherd was like an extension of his arm. Um, he was, It's really a symbol of strength and of power and authority in every situation. And the shepherd relied on his skill with that rod to safeguard himself and to keep him from danger. And um, Timothy Keller says that, I love that little book, The Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Anybody ever read it? It's a really old one. Somebody has? You should find it. 
That I saw it's, it's in the bookstore. Somebody said, it really gives you that picture of how oh, that intimate relationship that we can have. But he said, the rod of God's word um, uh, was uh, that extension of who the, um, who the shepherd was. And it's really a good um, explanation of God's word to us. That he is, it is our authority, and it is his power, and it is a symbol of his strength. And it's the place where we can run to find comfort to be in his word. Remember, it was the rod of God's word that Jesus used used in the wilderness when the enemy tempted him. What did he say? He came to him and he said, but do this, but do this. And every time Jesus said, it is written, it is written. It is written. And so when we have those circumstances in our lives that we don't know what to do or where to go or how to behave, we can look at his word and say, it is written. It is written. These are the promises. We can say that the Lord said, Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And he will do that work in us. So it's the place where we find comfort at Jesus' feet by being in his word. And he said, Timothy Keller also said, if the rod is used to represent God's word, then the staff is used to represent his Holy Spirit because it was a gentle reminder. It was a leading and guiding. It was one that um, uh, was defending from the enemy and it was um, bringing the sheep together to keep them safe. And to bring them close to comfort them. And the same way that we as believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives, he teaches us um, and he draws us close and he causes us to walk with him. So we have a couple things that the Lord uses to bring us comfort. Um, He leads us with a promise that he'll never leave us or he'll never forsake us. So we can take a little closer look at these three main resources that we have available. We have his word, we have his spirit, and we have his church. Um, And in Mary's grief, she ran to Jesus' feet, and she fell down at his feet. It was her natural instinct. It needs to be our natural instinct, too. She loved him, and she needed to hear what he had to say. Um, remember John 11.31 said her house was filled up with friends who were there to comfort her. Um, but that wasn't what she needed first. The Lord uses those friends. He uses the body. But first and foremost, she needed to run to Jesus' feet and to fall down at his feet. And so today, for us, um, we're not able to physically sit at Jesus' feet. But we have been given his word. And we need to love it and cherish it and know it and make it become part of the very fabric by which we live. We need to pour ourselves into it and pour it into us because that's the comfort that we have. Um, do we, you need to practice, I need to practice sitting at his feet in the word, spending time. It's never going to be natural. It's never going to just go, oh, look, a big space to sit in the word. No, you're going to have to work at it and plan it and and hunger and thirst for it. Um, His word is a source of comfort in the midst of our struggles. Um, Romans 15.4 says, um, whatever things were written beforehand were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. He's given us his written word. Psalm 119.50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction. 
for you have given me the word of life. You have it on your lap. Hold it up if you need to, but make sure that it becomes part of you. Because if you are in need of comfort, and who's not, at some point in some time of every single day, then you will find the comfort that Jesus has to offer you from his written word that he's given us. Sadly, too often, even in the church, um, we find uh, when people come to find counsel or direction or comfort and they're pointed to God's word and they go, that's not going to do it. That's not what I wanted. I wanted something else. And that's because they don't love his word because they haven't sit, sit, sitting. He hasn't sat. <laughs> they haven't sat at Jesus feet. I'm making up a new language. <laughs> They haven't fallen in love with his word. And so could we say tonight, and I just want to challenge you with that, for your word has given me life. That's what the psalmist said. Psalm 119, 50, and all of Psalm 119 is about his word, just about, but it says, this is my comfort in affliction, that your word has given me life. And is that our testimony tonight? Your word has given me life. The prophet Jeremiah stated it like this, your words were found And I did eat them, and they were to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. That sounds like comfort. And we said all scripture is given to us by the by God. It's God breathed. We read that that there's that breath in our lungs and we pour out our praise. Every script the whole scripture is brought God breathed. It's a perfect example of who God is, and we need to be familiar with it. Um, and we need to be sure that we are um, doing everything we need to increase our dependence upon him. There's a fall Bible study coming up in Hebrews, right? We were talking about Hebrews and Romans. I wasn't <laughs> in Hebrews. I hope you're going to go. I hope you put it in your schedule and you plan on being here and opening up the word every day and sitting at Jesus feet because that's where you find comfort. Like Mary, we need to fall on his feet and learn his word. And it is through his word that we have comfort, find comfort. And then by his spirit, we find comfort. Um, John seven thirty seven through 39, it says this. On the last day, the great feast, day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For who who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his spirit will flow live, rivers of living water. But he spoke these things. John gives us the commentary. He said he spoke these things concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. But they hadn't yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. It was the feast of the tabernacle. And every day the water was poured out on the steps to remind them that God was faithful in the wilderness. But Jesus boldly declares to himself to be, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. And I will give you rivers of living water. Um, It'll just be an amazing thing. And so we have that Holy Spirit in us as believers. Did you wake up this morning and say, the Holy Spirit of God lives in me? Was that your first thought? It wasn't mine. I admit that it wasn't. But we should make it be. We should remember that the Spirit of God is living in us. And if we need comfort... If we need strength, if we need aid, if we need hope, then we can run to him. And he will lead us and he will guide us and he'll strengthen us. Um, John 13, uh, in John 13, Jesus tells us of that, about the disciples that he had washed their feet. 
He identified in John 13, Judas as the betrayer. He gave a new commandment. He predicted Jesus, uh, Peter's denial. But then in John chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't you like that? I like to hear him say that. Because my heart gets troubled a lot, I have to admit. Let your, not your heart be troubled. Jesus says to you tonight, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place, and it's going to be so good that it doesn't compare to one single suffering or trial or tragedy, and those are all for real, that you're having to go through now. He said um, the exact same thing to, to Mary when he fell at her feet, that she fell at his feet. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. I got a plan. It's a better plan, one that you could never, ever, ever imagine. And don't be troubled. And that's what he's saying to us tonight through the Holy Spirit. Don't let your heart be troubled. He is not out of control in your life. He allows hard things because he wants to be glorified. He allows hard things because he wants us to be more like him. He wants to draw us closer to him. He wants to um, us to be more like him. John fourteen sixteen and 17, he's, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the Lord, world cannot receive, but neither can it see him nor know him, but you shall know him because he will dwell with you and he will be in you. So the spirit of God lives in you as a believer tonight, and he's never going to leave you. He's with you. He's in you. He'll lead you and guide you. Um, the word helper in Greek is parakletos, and it means a comforter. So we're looking for our comforter, one who aids, one who comes alongside. We already have him as believers. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Um, and in ancient Greek, it's another of the same kind. Because when Jesus walked on the earth, he showed us the nature of God. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, he's showing us the nature of Jesus. He's making us to understand and, and know and who he is and what he has done. John fourteen twenty six says, But the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to remembrance all things that I have said to you. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who speaks the truth and comfort to our hearts. Um, he has given us access to the Holy of Holies. He reminds us to pray. He reminds us what God has said. He reminds us in the super hard times, like the front seat of an ambulance. He said, all things work together for good. And I said, somebody else needs to know that. <laughs> but he reminds us that he's not going to leave us and forsake us. And he dwells in us. He's given us access to the Holy of Holies so we can boldly enter into his throne of grace. He says, come to me and I will give you the comfort that you need. And then finally, he um, gives us comfort through his body, um, through the church. Um, we, might, we might have spouses or family or sisters or church family. Um, and he, God has a perfect plan for all of those. I said sometimes my first instinct, it would be to call my husband or to call my, a friend when I need comfort. But our first instinct has to be go to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into his word. And then he'll give us one another to be that comfort. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 said, Blesses, Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation um, so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we have had from ourselves. um, by, By ourselves, we have been comforted from God. As the suffering of Christ abound in us, so the consolation also abounds in Christ. God had a, has a plan. He says, I will comfort you with the word. I will comfort you with the indwelling Holy Spirit. And you will be used to comfort others in the church. And then the church will comfort you back. He didn't leave us alone. He gave us a whole room full of great sisters who love Jesus to comfort us. But first... We have to fall like Mary at Jesus' feet, and he'll do the work. First Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify each other. In verse 14, it says, Comfort the faint-hearted. Have you ever been faint-hearted? I have. And I love it when somebody comes alongside the Lord uses. God's established and ordained the church. Um, there's kind of a movement today. I don't need to be in church. I can just be a Christian all alone. Well, it's not going to work. Not nearly as well. <laughs> Somebody said, yeah, you can be a Christian and not be in church, but it's kind of like being married and never going home. It's not really going to be a strong relationship. So we, you need to be a part of a body, this body or yours, if you're just visiting tonight. But I beg you to plug in and be a part and know and be known because we need each other, because the Lord uses the church to support you and build you up. There are so many people who pop in on a Sunday and don't know anybody. And then when circumstances happen in life, nobody knows what's happening. Where was that guy who used to sit by the pole over there? And I haven't seen him, but I don't know his name and I never talked to him, you know, and we're not connected. So he gives us the church to, to draw us together. So be a part. Be an integral part. Let people know who you are and, and know them. And ask them questions about them and, tell, and, and be that encourager. Uh, Mary knew to run to Jesus' feet in her time of grief. And um, there's no better place to go. And he's calling us. He's waiting for us to come. Um, he asked Mary, where have you laid the body? And he, she said, come and see. And boy, was she going to see glory. She didn't get it, but she was, in, in just a few moments, she was going to see Lazarus walk out of that grave. And he's going to go, dang it, I was already there. <laughs> he was, she was going to know Jesus like she'd never been before. So um, whatever you're carrying tonight, whatever you think it's you have to shoulder, lay it at Jesus' feet. Run to him and his word. Call on the Holy Spirit to do a healing work in your life. And then grab somebody sitting by you and ask them for prayer if you need prayer. And I nobody's going to run out of here and shut off the lights. So if you need prayer, don't go home tonight without having somebody pray for you. Because we can have comfort. Jesus is waiting for us to come to his feet and leave those things there with him. Um, Maybe you're here tonight and somebody drug you along or you just popped in and you don't know Jesus. You can't find comfort without him. 
There's nothing, there's no comfort in this world, trust me, try watching the news. <laughs> there's nothing without him. And so if you need to know Jesus tonight, I'm certain there'll be ladies right here or somebody, grab the one, the one who brought you, I bet, will tell you about Jesus. But tonight's the night to be saved. You just need to acknowledge your sin, realize, say that you need a savior, understand that it's Jesus. He's the only way. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except for me. Tonight's the night for that, and I am so excited to get to be here, and I hope that you're reminded that um, you have everything you need in Jesus Christ. No place else you need to go but to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We count it a privilege to be a part of your body. Even more, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is in us filling us, leading us, guiding us, that we have your word, your complete and true, um, unchanging, amazing, life-transforming word. Um, may we hunger and thirst for it, cherish to know it better, be cherishing um, all that you have done in us. And we just thank you and praise you. Be with each one of these ladies tonight. Receive our worship. Be honored in our lives and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.